Oh, the 20th and the... Thanks. That's how numbers work? Really? (laughs) You're so linear. (laughs) Exactly what we want to be talking about. Nonlinear processes. And I've heard... I've listened to a bunch of them, and I keep thinking, like, I have a favorite library parking spot, too. I should go talk to her. (laughs) That's awesome. That's so great. All right. Well, welcome to In the Act, a radio program on process and the creative life. Creativity does not just start and stop with artists. We all make aesthetic or guiding decisions. Our aim is to talk through the process and investigate how we choose to express ourselves and to live creatively. We're connecting with people about their lives. That's the subject of our show. Broadcasting from Mead Public Library in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, I am Erica Hunsinger, and this is In the Act. And today's guest was former teacher for, gosh, I don't know how long you were you taught for. 26, 26 years. Oh, years. my gosh. Um, co-founder, owner of Two Fish Gallery, artist, mentor, friend, mother, wife, grandmother. grandmother. I got that. I got grandmother in there. <laughs> Because I love that. I love that. I love that. I want to talk about it. Karen Robeson. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah. I'm here. Thank you. It's I, it's a whole new part of the library that I haven't been in yet. So. Right. Yeah, the descent. I'm in the lower library below the books. I can feel them up there, though. Yeah. I love that. I know. It's good here. I think so, too. Yeah. I mean, libraries are so important. I mean, obviously, you spent 26 years teaching and learning and cycle practice and all of that. So oh, One of the coolest things about Etude and being right, like, three blocks away yeah. was this was our school library. Oh, right. Yeah. So we didn't, like, have to have one room with some books in it or just computers. We came here. Oh, that's so amazing. Yeah, because it's just a a nice little walk then. You get a walk in. Yeah. Could you tell us a little bit about what you taught? (laughs) I can. Sorry. (laughs) Don't be sorry. No, no. I I, Probably that's a bad verbal tick. But um, (laughs) everyone will come up to me and say, well, where did you teach art? And I'll go, nowhere ever. Yeah. Ever. Um, I taught science. I'm a yes. botanist. And the at, at South High, where I first taught, I taught, taught biology. Well, you teach everything. Like, it's sort of like the, you're, when you're a beginning teacher, the new one's like, here, look, here's six preps that you can do because you're new. Ah. Right. <laughs> but oh, it's kind of fun yeah. because you have to learn about everything and be up on things. And it really gets you in the rhythm of I get to learn new stuff and talk to new stuff with people. Right. And then um, as I kind of built a program of botany, built up the botany program, I ended up being full-time botany, which was way fun. Wow. And it reminded me of theater because, you know, like seven shows a day, and you could switch it up a little bit each time depending upon who was in the class. That was way fun. Oh, that's so cool. I never thought of it like theater in that way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Full seats. House. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then with Etude, I taught advanced sciences. So chemistry, uh, my favorite was ecology and art from the Getty out west. So we took a college class and made it a high school class. And wow. um, invertebrate zoology. Wow. Wait, 
the best, most fun ever. Human and Nat and Fizz, regular biology based on the river, which you could see out the window from my classroom. Oh, that's right. It was it was the most wonderful time. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Why? Um, <laughs> what was the spark for botany for you? Like, where does, where does this... Um, where does it begin for you, in, invested and interested in the natural world? I grew up way out in the country. Like, the bus ride every day was an hour and a half, which oh. is where you get really good at sheephead. But Where you get good at what? <laughs> sheephead, because the card game. Oh, yeah. Because you had an hour and a half there and an hour and a half back. You got to do something. <laughs> right, right. I couldn't read because then I'd throw up, so I played cards <laughs> with the boys. It was it was also a very fun time. And living awesome. way out there, there wasn't that much to do. Like yeah. the nearest neighbor was over a mile. They didn't have any kids. But there was a uh, three maple woods. Like it, everything was arranged by the glacial topography. So you had a lot of variety of what plants and animals were where. Oh. And then there were fields on either side, too. So I just, we were there. We weren't going anywhere. So you got immersed yeah. in what was around you. Oh, how beautiful. It was a beautiful, it was, it got me very good at dealing with plants and animals. Not so good at dealing with people after living, you know, way out. Sure. Then come moving to the big city of Sheboygan. Sure. I had some, like, oh, look. <laughs> Yipes. Yeah. So I, Was it Wisconsin-based where you grew up? Oh, yeah. It was yeah. N- just north of Cleveland. Oh, okay. I went to school in Manitowoc. So oh, gotcha. I didn't. Okay. I didn't get real far. Yeah. And then I always had plants as a when I moved here in middle school and high school it was junior high. Then um, I always had plants and named them, and they had particular personalities. And you know, I killed most of oh, them I as I learned that. to take care of them. Sure. So, and then I went to school and learned a, a lot about native plants and local ecology, and loved loved that. Wow. So. It was weird. It was back in the 70s. So, the, you know, I could take – they didn't have ecology yet. It sort of hadn't been invented or was just getting invented. Yeah. And so you took converse conservation and you took um, wildlife management and kind of a, a view on the natural world that was more about preserving it so we could get more out of it later. Kind of a capitalist version sure. of taking care of everything. Yeah. But it still had the taking care of everything part. Right. What is the definition of ecology then? What would you... Ecology is bigger. Okay. It's more looking at the interactions in everything from the dirt and the rocks to the animals to the water to the air, everything, including people. Whereas conservation was a little narrower but still good. Yeah. Um, And and (laughs) they had field stations, but girls weren't allowed to go. Because, you know, only men, apparently. So, But I got to go on one. I made a, a pain in the neck of myself and got to go up to Rice Lake and do um, bog water studies to see what other things were living in the bogs and how that would be good for cam- cranberry growing. And Beautiful. It was beautiful and wow. so remote. Yeah. And completely different than here. Yeah. And you start looking at Wisconsin and go, you don't have to go very far to be somewhere completely different. Yes. That is so cool. It is really cool. Yeah. And is that because of the glacier? A lot a of lot it. A lot of it because, like, a lot of the rocks aren't from native to this area. They're pushed in through glaciers from above. and it's you know, It starts with what's underneath us all, the rocks and things. And the 
the history of the rocks here, there was a big depression pushed down like an I can't remember syncline or anticline, but it so that as you get to like Green Bay and North, there's different rocks and soil chemistry and different plant population because we're also wow. on the 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 tension line. It's called between two major biomes. Oh, not all states have that. Wisconsin does. Cool. Yeah. So tell us about that. What is that? That's so cool. <laughs> Bouncing in the chair. No, Sorry. <laughs> Here we are in the kettle marine. Yeah. Um, we have here, we have like a mixture of evergreens and deciduous plants, and they vary depending upon the soil and the moisture and and the little pockets and protected places that we have that just coddle these wonderful plants. And then as you get a little farther north, it's, it's harder on the deciduous plants. There's more evergreen plants. We have the huge towering white pines and hemlocks, and you go to these places that make you just look up and be totally amazed. Yeah. Um, you can't see very far because right. it's so dense. And here you can see, you get up on top of a moraine and you can see for miles. Right. So very different. A very different chemistry, too, depending upon pH of things. Yeah. Acidity or alcohol. I am kind of a boring scientist. I could go on about Oh, my gosh. I love it. Forever. It's not boring at all. It's a rich, <laughs> fertile, amazing mind that you have. Um, I, I want to kind of touch back. I um, The... The field towers, is that what you said? The field experiments? or Oh, you, field stations. Field stations. So uh, the universities would have um, cabins and little places up, or all, more up north than all around the state. Okay. But in some, in some other places, it's like the Sand Counties, if you've heard of Aldo Leopold from Madison. Yes. Milwaukee had places up at Rice Lake and farther north, and they would be doing research to look at, you know, what else in the ecology of the place, the, all of the other plants and animals and water supported, like in this case, it was cranberry because cranberry was the industry that was building up and, and right. becoming more than just a niche. Right. Um, but looking at what existed and how long it had been there um, and some of the animals that were starting to disappear, like pine martens, these great big weasels, oh. put these collars around their necks and they they uh, had radio waves to see how far they had to travel how far they went. Wow. Um, and you'd look, <laughs> we'd look for a lot of dead deer. Then yeah. you'd crack open their ribs and see how their bone marrow was to tell how healthy they were. Wow. Now we have computers. We don't have to get quite so slimy. Um, <laughs> you can check into things easier. But back in the day, no, it, was, it was really, it was a transforming experience to be of in these course. different places and focused for weeks on just like what's in the water. Right. In this particular ball. Oh, my gosh. That observation, that that concentrated time of observation is just amazing because in seconds, things are magic. They're just, yeah. And it takes you a while to, like, you look at it the first time and go, oh, there's some water and there's some stuff in it. And after a couple of weeks, you know what the stuff is and you can tell if it, ma you know, oh, my gosh, there's lots of these guys. That means there's good, good health in the water. Right. Uh oh, look at that guy. Danger. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, but getting to know your, getting to know the 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 droplets of water even is like an is amazing to have that like range of study, and, and that intensity. I think yes. that's what's so hard about teaching science. It's because you have a class like biology, definition yeah. of which is all living things. Like really, <laughs> how are you going to teach that with any way that matters? <laughs> right. So, right. <laughs> ah. <laughs> so. Yeah. You need those deep dives. 
worms. You totally do. And I, you know, I'm I'm sorry, but I have this little headworm. Is that, I'm <laughs> sure that's not what it's called. But um, <laughs> let me look. I, I'm a, thank you. I am a biologist. <laughs> um, but that that you had to fight your way to be able to say that you would that, that to to go because you're a female. I don't understand what the I guess you know it's not that far away that that uh, women had to really pave their own path like that and stand up for yourself. How did you do that? What made you feel like you could stand up for yourself? Because I think those transitions and those like standing up for selves are really important for creative development and expression of self and like the trajectory of what can happen for your life. I, Sorry, that was a little. I know passionate. I get it, and it makes you gave me some thinking time, and I appreciate that. Okay, you need that too. And it's like I don't want to tell like bad stories. Of, oh, back in the day, we walked up. But no, I started out in theater. I started out in the professional theater training program. Oh, and bad things happened there um, with some of the physicality of of rehearsals and things. And and after a while, you got I got to the like I don't I just don't want to deal with all of this kind of stuff with the social and people grabbing you. And I don't, you know, I just, right. I really do not have the personality for that. I have the personality for look in the drop of water. Right. And I thought, okay, I really love botany. I really love conservation. I'm going to shift. I'll switch. Yeah. And I'm going to do sciences. And it was just as cutthroat um, because of the way the system was set up, which I don't think they do anymore. Right. No, um, I don't think so. They yeah. had classes which were meant to weed you out. Um, and so you, as you got up higher into the field, there were less and less people and mostly men in science. Yeah. And it, was, it wasn't so much, we hate you, we won't let you go. It was more like, what? You, you, you want to go? What? You right. know, we, we only have one dorm. We can't. We can't. You know, you know there's not a bathroom. And, and you're kind of like, no, I'm okay with that. And I will, you know. Right. I'll bring a curtain and I'll curtain off my bunk and everyone will be fine and we can do this. Totally. And it was. Yes. Um, but it made people uncomfortable. And it, it started people to go, well, of course we should do this. But no one ever asked. I guess no one ever asked before. Yeah. Wow. So it's like, you know, there's a really good book out there that says be sure and ask because um, it talks about before you just read the note that says you can't do something, you should probably ask, like, why or what could I do to modify this or mitigate this or, yes. you know. And it, for totally. me, it was a little bit of I've just changed my major, like, twice, and I'm sick. I'm not starting over somewhere else. I <laughs> right. want to do this. Yeah. And I proved I can, so. Absolutely. Yeah. That's amazing. I really love that. And, the, you know, I always – I'm a big proponent of like, you know, follow the things that, that you love and follow that passion. Um, and yeah, and ask. That's a, what was the other thing that kind of stuck with me is the, um, that, oh, you said it was uncomfortable, that it made them uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And I think change does that. Oh, you know, that yeah. disequilibrium, you know, whether it's change for the good or change that's bad, it still is is a shifting of the sand underneath your feet that you're not used to. So it may not be right that it's like that there's any malintent involved uh, necessarily. However, um, things need to change and grow. And uh, thank you for being a pioneer in that. Yes, a little bit. My little, my little contribution. Absolutely. Yeah. 
So, yeah, I don't know. I stay in, you know, stay in it. Stay in, keep trying. And we're in such a time of change now, which yes. I, I, I always see change as opportunity to, yeah. like, you know, Right after World War II, there was this huge upheaval and all this change. And a lot of countries did change their social systems and did change. Yes. And we didn't. And then we have this upheaval. And people always say, we want to go back to the way it was. And I'm like, I understand where that feeling is. But here's an opportunity to pick through that pile of the way it was. Right. And grab the stars. And some of it's not stars. Yeah. So, but it is sort of like looking at that, um, you know, the 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 dropper of of water, and really looking very closely, examining and observing, and finding what those what pieces of the past work and operate for our society, and what things are are just. <laughs> Parasitic. We always did them because we always did them because we always did them is not a good reason, right, for doing things. And and I get that change is uncomfortable. I guess I like change. Yes. And I talk to friends who are like, oh, too much change. And I get that too. Too much at one time. It's hard for you to. It's like a science experiment. If you change all the variables at once, you don't know what made the result. Ugh. You have to change one thing at a time and go, oh, yeah, or oh, no. But so a big turmoil of change, I think, throws you in that, I don't know what caused this, so. Ah, right, chaos. absolutely. So That's such a great point. I love that analogy. Science. Welcome back to In the Act. I'm Erica Hunsinger. We're here with Karen Robeson. Really, the the analogies of science and social construct and the, the weaving of the two in between and using science as an analogy for self and society and this is all really interesting stuff. Well, I also have a granddaughter who just requested real wings for Christmas. Awesome. It's awesome, but it's going to be hard to deliver on. What <laughs> does that know. mean? So they sh- she wants to really fly. Oh, yeah. Because we have, you know, beautiful, like, monarch wings she can wear, and we have yeah. a lovely time playing and running. But yesterday, she said she wanted real wings. And I get it. Oh, my gosh, <laughs> totally. <laughs> but I also feel like, oh... We've definitely hit a, a spot where I don't have the skills, but I have to think of ways to m- imaginarily really fly. Right, yeah. So. And I think that's where, like, those creative things step in, and you get to make these choices and decisions and thinking about her, and um, her age is five? Six. Six. Six, okay. No teeth, the no teeth year. No front teeth. 
lovely lisp. But we do enjoy. So, so sweet. <laughs> so sweet. But I mean, golly, I mean, right, you, you brought up like the, the time right now. I think, geez, I think everybody wants some wings mm-hmm. to, to be able to feel less heavy. Oh, that's true. You ever, that feeling when you sometimes the day's not going well or you accidentally listen to the news and you feel like this weight just like just rolls through my body and like okay I need to I need to get outside or I need to get to my studio bench or I need to talk to someone new or yeah you know? is that what is that what gives you that that's I think that's a dumb commercial but um is that what gives you wings <laughs> Well, I'm kind like, of a chicken, so I don't, well, chickens do fly. Bad analogy. I kind of would be afraid to fly. I'm more, I like to wander. Yeah. I don't even, I'm learning not to say hike because that just sounds too strenuous, but, you know, like <laughs> wander out into the woods and observe things and yeah. take pictures and draw things and collect things. Yeah. So that's good for me. They take that's, a lot of little walks and yeah. um, arrange things on my studio table and um, in my plants and do those things. And I spend a lot of time with old elders and youngers, all different ages. I've been able to get back to school a bit lately, and oh. there's nothing more fun than 17-year-olds. <laughs> uh, teaching again? No, um, 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 helping back. out, just doing odds and ends, um, but getting to have a little student contact. So Yeah. It's very fun. Tell us about it. Um, Tad, a colleague of mine, and I have – there's a gallery at our school – and we've kind of taken it over. We're team emeritus. Excellent. So we just go in and do whatever we want because who can fire us? We don't work there. Um, and we put up some student artwork and alumni artwork and artist-in-residence artwork and a little bit about the founders of the school and then drag the students there to talk about the work and talk yeah. about what they want to do because so much of project-based learning is is coming up with how you're going to make something doesn't you know whether it's a physical thing or not the process going from what's all in your head and sounds wonderful to i have this thing that will solve a problem because i made it that's that's a big transition huge yeah. huge so i mean that's like the ultimate helping someone walk through creative practice in whatever form and I think sometimes people think of creativity that it's 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 uh, it's solidly only within the visual arts. It's it sits within like drawing is maybe visual art because it's also kind of doodling or it's practice for painting mm-hmm. and it's painting Ooh. and sculpture only, you know. And that there's these that's it's a box and that's and if you don't create within those those little spaces, then everything else isn't creative. I, I think a lot of people think these I, rules. I don't know, but I hear it a lot from yeah. people. I hear it. That's mm-hmm. why I want to like debunk it and talk through it. That or people that just say, "Oh, I'm not creative." Yes. I'm like, well, of course you are. You have a brain, and I yes. don't mean that in a rude way. But if you have a human brain, you're creative. Because hello, even just figuring out how to get through the, you know, all of the things we do, the way we build our spaces that we live in. Absolutely, it's all, all part of that way of thinking and it gets kind of back to the change in the rules like if you just live by the well this is what I do because it says and we've always done then you are not giving yourself a chance to 
you know, think creatively, look at things, observe things, analyze, and then decide, yeah, that's the path I'm taking. Right. But there's some weird block, especially with students whose imaginations are still not trounced on too much. Yeah. So you got this wild imagination. You got these ideas, all the things you want to make. This would help the world. This is something I'd love to have. You know, all of their dreams and ideas. And then they try to make their hands do it. And it doesn't work the first time. Yes. And that's like a really important time because everything can end then. Yes. And we can't let it. Talk to us about how you have found ways to extend that process so it doesn't end. Huge, huge question. I, I believe that you have to keep making things all along the way. Not, not make it a linear. We almost said this earlier. We said linear process. That's like okay. You see a problem. You come up with an idea. You decide what you're going to make. You make it, and you're done. Oh my gosh! But right? to like all oh. along the way, start making it. Yeah. Oh man, that didn't work. But that makes me think about this other thing, and to keep going. There's a marvelous library book here about that. What it's is it? A kids book. And now I'm going to try and before we're done, I will think of the name. The most magnificent thing. Oh. And I won't remember the author. That's okay. But it's a young young girl who's like, I want to make this thing. And it didn't turn out. And she has a fit like a little kid and cries and pounds her fists and gets More mad like at adults. people and kicks <laughs> you <know>. it. And, <laughs> and eventually she makes a whole bunch of things and then goes back over the line of them on the sidewalk where they're lying and says, that that part's good. The color's good on that one. The texture's good. The fist, you know, the fasteners are good on that one. So I can make the most magnificent thing by making another one that has the parts of all of these. Yes. And that's kind of wow. how I believe. And and even in our house, we have a collection of like artwork when we try a new body of work and it really isn't that good to start with. But yeah. you still save that piece. Yes. Because it was the it was the fulcrum. It was the transition piece. The fulcrum. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of go, okay, I learned from that. And then I'm but that idea of you know, p- people talk about failure, like it's really important to fail. Well, it isn't the failing that it's important. It's the, you had to try something to see what was happening. You can't look it up in a book all up in, well, or on the line, probably not online, not in a book. Right. And determine what is the exact perfect way to do this right now. Right. So I don't know. I think building in lots and lots of doing and making so that you can have a series of little, like, not failures, but not perfects. Yes. And then, not like, perfects. oh, I know what to do next time, and I'm going to do it next time. Yes. And sometimes, the thing I didn't like about teaching, which almost got me out of teaching a lot earlier, was you had one shot at it, and then you got an A, a B, a C, or a D, or an F, and then you never, ever did that again. Because right. you were teaching these little nuggets of good stuff. And I loved school, and you know, I'm not bashing school. But wanting to set it up so you did something similar a second time so that you – and then you were responsible for more parts of it. Yeah. Um, you had to pick out the materials maybe. Right. So everything wasn't always – you know, you look at those science lab and it tells you what the materials are and tells you the steps and pretty much tells you what the end result is. Yeah. There's no discovery and there's no variation. Right. You can't turn to the kid next to you and say – oh, that's different than what I did. Tell me what you did. Right. So that was kind of my goal in science education is 
to not have everybody doing the same thing at the same time. Yeah. Because then they could experience more things and learn from each other and not get into that, you know, it's everything's a beginning, a middle, and end, and then you're done and you go on to something completely new. Right. And and incorporated into that is that observation of other, mm-hmm. right, and the discussion, like the questioning oh, yeah. and the discussion and the reflection and then the reintegration, like that whole other reflective piece that, golly, if you can hold that up and support it, like it's oh, golden. Man. It's golden. And you'll notice n- nowhere in anything you said did it say, like, judgment or grading. You know? <laughs> right. Like, yeah. Really? <laughs> because how do you – I, yeah, I mean, I get that there has to be some vantage point of of learning or I don't even know how to call it. I don't really know what to say about it, honestly. Yeah. Well, you can see people who, who catch on to things and and start to develop their own ideas and help other people develop ideas or yeah. – I think there – I mean, I believe I did this for a living, so I know that there are ways to do it. But it's also an awkward, you know, kind of – for a while we had the grade of not yet. Oh, <laughs> really? That's <Yeah>. so great. <laughs> I love that. I don't know if I should say that out loud, like public. But, yeah, we had the grade of not yet because yeah. it was – well, this part is good. This part is good. How encouraging. But you oh, gotta, my gosh. You got to do more. So – but it breaks the expected way of, the you know, the I want things to just get back to normal. Just just give me enough so I can be done. Yeah. And I, I would always resist that because, you know. That goes a long way. And I think that seeps into the human being then. Like I don't then, you know, hopefully then that goes into, okay, I don't know how to do this. I'm in the big world. I'm not in school anymore. But – uh, I don't know how to do this yet. Just putting a yet on something is just a huge lane to be able to to see a little bit further into the distance instead of a barricade yeah. of like I can't and I won't and now it's it's done and I failed. Yeah. Right. It really is like it's like a maze that you're trying to get through for yourself that you're creating, but then you you have these roadblocks or walls and yeah. which we could do that with artists too that feel like feel like there's a grade like you have to sell a certain amount or you have to show in a certain place otherwise you're otherwise you failed at art yes like I I guess I know where that comes from but I don't know that we need it to be you know it's like if you've had more than one job and people mm-hmm. will say, pat you on the head and say, well, at least you finally found something that you were able to do. And I'm like, no, no, you needed to do all the other things to get to this thing that you're doing now. Yes. And let's see what the next thing will be. Right. Because we're dynamic human changing beings, things that, that have different needs at different times and and not in control of what's going to happen in the outside world to us, for us, with no, us. We live in the us. world. Like yeah. science is affected <laughs> by the world around it. Humans are. And as these things change, we we just change too. Right. And then we're not gentle with ourselves about, like, I needed to change. That wasn't working. I needed to do this. I This is going now. And look at this. You know? Yeah. Like, and... No. I had a friend, I think yesterday it was, who said she was not going to use the word hope anymore. 
Oh. Because it was such a lame verb. You know, it was such, you know, there was no action. That's the way I think of it. Um, But she might not have said that exactly. But she did say, like, hope, go more for acceptance or for planning or for dealing with rather than sit in my chair, close my eyes, and hope things get better. Sure. Heck no. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of have been thinking about that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So... Pat always teases me. He said, if I wrote a self-help book, it would be like one page that said, shut up and get to work or, you know, kind of, (laughs) and that's cruel. And I'm not really, you know, I'm not, I'm better. I'm a better listener than I used to be. I'm growing, but I do have more of an action, like, and even if I have a bad day, I'm going to get up and do something or paint something or walk somewhere or do something, make something as opposed to, I don't know cry. I don't know. Yeah. I just, so I, I don't understand, always understand people that need more of the quiet introspective time. I know it's true. Yeah. But it's so, we need a whole bunch of other people to help people do that well. Yeah. We need a whole spectrum of people yeah. to, to express themselves and support the different ways in which we need and, and grow. And I, but I think that's so important to, to think about that that's the avenue that works for you and that that's not it may not then be right for other people but it works for you and to to know and tailor those things for yourself are really important as we get older and hopefully more people when they're younger figure out a little more about themselves as opposed to who somebody else wants them to be but that's like everybody says that that's an old thing to say but it's still in there. It is. So. And how do you do that? Like, that's like, those are all these oh. questions. Like, how do we do that every day? I mean, as a teacher, that was, that's a primary goal, mm-hmm. right? Figure out what you're interested in, what you need to know to be good at what you're interested in and make a difference in what you are, you know, passionate about as you learn it. And I think part of that is you have to try lots of stuff. I do, too. Because you don't know what other things are out there yet. Yeah. So I encourage people to try all the many things and take classes and read things and listen to things. and Try all the different avenues. Try all the different things. Yeah, try on lots of different coats and hats Mm -hmm. and see what what fits and, and yeah, the sidewalk of items, right? Yeah, the sidewalk of items and find your tribe, which has meant tons to me so much to me to find people that could support what you were interested in and doing and working on and you know absolutely that and that's easier it's one of the things i thank the internet for is you can find you can find your tribe find classes things that you you wouldn't necessarily stumble across in your own neighborhood yeah and even people that you can just write to or show them a picture. I'm making this, and what the heck? This yeah. won't stick to that. And then <laughs> right. someone will say, oh, you need to use Here you go. a certain kind of glue for that. <laughs> right. Let me help you. So yeah. you, you have a, an, an, a close community and a wide community and yeah. all of these things. And I think that's so important because I think so much of our tenet of, of uh, maybe it's America, maybe it's worldwide, I don't know, but – is that sitting into, um, well, you do it on your own. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. <laughs> you got this on your own. And, you know, this this sort of 
like aggressive, bizarro way of operating that nobody operates <laughs> in. Nobody does. We all need to have and uh, people around that we can feel supported by and support to have that um, to to grow and be. I don't know, lots yeah. of things. Yeah. Community just of there. Just the encouragement you get from people, you know, you find the one other person that likes to, <laughs> to look right. at fog algae. You'd have this exciting conversation. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Who doesn't look at you like, oh my. So, no, that's, it's kind of fun. And it was, um, we've been, both Patrick and I have been doing new artwork. You know, it's like old dogs, new tricks, but, but, enjoying that so much and and I'm kind of in a phase where if take anything and dip it in encaustic wax wax and it will change and become more beautiful and yeah <laughs> I know it's a phase but right now it's that works yeah he's got a glass kiln going and I'm kind of interested in that too yeah though the danger part of it I'm not as good at as he is so same yeah but uh Make new things, experiment. And there's lots of science in the things we like to do because it's all about, you know, what kind of glass, what temperature, how long, what's the flux. Well, so it's it's totally also throwing embedded. me right back into to the mixture of science and art. So Oh, it's totally Venn diagram. It's an exciting time. Yeah. That's good. So. Cool. Ah. <laughs> I forgot. I know you said it would start recording when I walked in. And I went, what did I say when I walked in? <laughs> right. I've been working on my swearing, but I don't think I went there. So. Yeah, swearing is hard. Oh, my gosh. Mm. Welcome back to In the Act. I'm Erica Hunsinger. We're here with Karen Robeson, and we are talking about swearing, yeah. being appropriate, <laughs> being not appropriate, uh, finding our spaces and finding things that are interested in. In and and I love the idea of dipping things in wax, and I love encaustic. So, yeah. uh, can you tell us what? Because um, I want to talk about the the place that you created with Patrick, um, but also like what you're currently working on. So, um, how did Two Fish come about? What? It's it was really Patrick's dream. He wanted to have a gallery in a house because he had. But he's been in the arts forever. The visual arts. Okay. And I dabbled and made stuff but wasn't really interested in showing other people what I made as much yeah. as he always has been. And he, like, wanted things to look like you could have them in your home. Like, this is how oh. one of his his dry dock boats would look nestled in your living room as opposed to on a white pedestal in a white and glass gallery and right. you know it was makes the link between home and artwork closer yeah living with all and yeah. he makes a lot of things that are functional as yeah. well as things that are sculptural and they're all things that you can you know he's a clay artist so they're all things you can touch and handle and you know be with yes so he wanted to do that always wanted to we both had major transitions in our lives and got together at that time 
and got a, a bungalow in Elkhart Lake. And the main floor became the main gallery. And then there was a little side room that was, for a while, the East Gallery. It is now my parlor. Oh. I have taken it. Nice. Um, but partly our – we always had uh, – I don't know, a mission statement kind of thing. Like yeah. we wanted to feature fine craft yeah. as well as fine art and give a lot of regional local artists a chance to show yeah, and opportunities to show in group shows and theme shows and also looked at designing the gallery, the pieces or the artwork that was in the gallery, they should have relationships to each other. Oh. You know, some galleries really specialize in brightly colored you know, kind of funky, wild, cool things. Yeah. Well, all this stoneware that's got muted, beautiful, rich, muted colors don't look that good with fluorescent pink. Right. You know, it just is like they're two different worlds, and we're building a world. Yes. That you become immersed in when you're in the gallery, and you look around, and things relate to each other. And and um, we were really interested in fair trade because of the aesthetic as well as the ethic of it. Yes. And what does fair trade mean? Fair trade is instead of um, – so you get things from native artists in their countries and often craftspeople, and they're often making things that are traditional or variations on traditional crafts. Yeah. And fair trade is set up so that instead of some big company paying them a penny and then charging you, the, the client, $100, more of the money is going to the people who make them so they can stay in their homes, they can get health care, that they're supporting their fabulous things that they make. Absolutely. They're getting paid a fair fair wage for. And it's, yeah. it's, it's sort of a tricky business to do that because there's imports and some people will say, well, you should have American art. And we're like, well, we do, but we... We're part of this global community, and we're looking for – we're not trying to compete with American artists. We're trying to find things that maybe these women who do this beautiful sewing on this India cloth that they've block printed in their houses, nobody in our area is doing that exact same thing. So we're trying to find a balance absolutely, um, yeah. of all of these things and keeping aware of the greater world. And as we progressed – and had the gallery for more years, we've really focused more and more on fine craft and especially ceramics. Yeah. Um, and paper and collage. And we've got now we've got Artist of the Month Club, which you were an oh, artist and a so primary, cool. one of the earliest. <laughs> so we're really enjoying that because it shows a body of work of one artist and their vision. And, you know, some people have made things specifically for that, and yeah. other people have shown a variety of what they do. And right. then we can have lots of openings, except when we can't, but even virtual ones, to show what people are doing, what they're making, yeah. and, and how they're making it, and why they're making it, and what right. they're thinking about. So loving to collect the artist statements and the quotes and the pictures of people in their studios. So Yeah. And so we're... We've we've made that shift to kind of, of a, a narrower vision of having an artist of the month rather than a lot of group shows and things, which yeah. which were fun, exhausting, um, and and I don't know. We just it, you know change is good. I like change. Yeah, I know. Same. <laughs> so something new gets me excited about working on it for sure. I um, have to also within this talking space about this 
this beautiful little place that you guys have developed is also the incredible outside that you have created. The sculpture garden. The sculpture garden. Yes. My home, which is actually in an accredited habitat. Is it really? It is. (gasps) We have all the stuff you need to be to be a real habitat. So, you know, there's all we (laughs) there was a you know, if you walk through the garden, you come in the front and there's the birches, which were the only plants that were there when we got the house. Birch birch trees. Big birch trees. Okay. And so and then we have a lot of native plants in the front and there's little so there's garden rooms and you go through and there's sort of different color schemes and types of plants. So my. All my plant collections, there's so many different kinds of plants, but we have it's a lot of birds. It's just so amazing. I mean, it is bountiful. If you're driving down the street, <laughs> um, the, suddenly you see this, like, everything looks sort of the same. You know, interesting, nice little places, and it's beautiful little area. Um, but then you just see this, like, bountiful, like, sculptures outside and all these different greeneries and plants that that you're just captivated by. I mean, it's from sidewalk to to the back of the house it goes. But it amazes me, even as a botanist and even as doing the garden every year, is that it pretty much, you know, other than the bones of the garden, the trees and the shrubs, everything else goes down to the ground this time of year. And by August, it's eight feet tall with sunflowers and wild prairie plants and all this stuff. It's like, how can it change this much in a year it every year it amazes me so. uh, yeah so and it's fun to have people wander through and and like my granddaughter and other children do love it especially when they're on the path and they're surrounded by flowers and butterflies and all of these creatures that are in there so oh my gosh totally it's, it's it's my habitat too i think absolutely you know? yeah so. you're like the creator of this like bountiful dense incredible biome is that what you said it's your own biome it's smaller it's it's smaller than a biome but that's a good word i do like that oh and we do a lot of you know after reading tons about gardening american gardening has a style that is is a little more controlled yeah whereas english and and some forms of japanese gardening not all some of them are extremely controlled yeah are like Put these two together and see what happens and let that vine climb up that tree and let, you know, let them interact. And that's, it was called the accidental garden where the, the plants find each other and, and support each other and mix together in the most amazing ways. Oh, so, cool. I love that because you can go out and discover that. And we've had a little fox that keeps coming in and popping through over, the, it stands on the little bridge in the middle and looks around. Oh my and I suppose because there's so many plants, maybe it doesn't know it's in the city. Right. <laughs> I just don't want it to go out into the road. No, that yeah. Would be bad. Right. So. But I, I love that you have this <laughs> tiny little fox that's visiting, though. That's uh, amazing. There's... I mean, it does feel really magical when you're out there. You do absolutely feel transported. You don't feel like you're in the city. And, I mean, you have frogs in a little pond and lily pads and fish, I think, too. Yeah, there's fish and, and lots of um, tree frog. Well, and it's a city lot, so I think it's only 60 feet wide and about 100 feet long. Yeah. So it's little. Yeah. But we crammed so much stuff into it yeah. that you can kind of get hidden from either end of it. When you're in the middle, you're in the middle. Right. And that's a good thing. 
So, yeah, a lot of critters find us. Sometimes I have to research, like, how do they even find us? How can there be that many frogs? They're all in there. And then the, Ferdinand is the possum. And he comes through and he, he very politely, very politely just scoops out what's up, what's under the bird feeders. Oh, my god. And he'll, sometimes he'll go nose to nose with my cat just with the glass in between them. But um, it's fun to see the little creatures. I mean, that's, I mean, I think just watching, I think just watching nature, you know, it is a creative act. You can't help but witness creation in every moment. Your blood pressure goes down, your heart rate slows, your breathing, you know, it, it physically changes you yeah. in, in, a, in, in a very good way. So, but... Yeah, the garden has been, for both of us, it's been a big part of life, going out there every day and, and you know, wandering about the village. And the village, Elkhart Lake, you have to go pick up your mail at the post office. They don't deliver it to your house, oh. which is a very good thing because you have to get up and walk right. down the street and open the mailbox and chat with the postmistress and, and you know, anyone else who happens to be out there. Yeah. So it, it has that and then... You have to go through the garden. There are some people. There's a lot of people that come after church, and they walk through the garden, and um, people come and sit in the back. And so we've met people that way and made friends. And wow, we get pictures from people who take a picture of like I've got these gabion boxes now with rocks and driftwood in them on the on the fence. What are gabion? Our metal mesh. It's I think it's Irish originally metal mesh and then they would fill it with rocks and things and it would be either be a end post for a fence or a place to tell you where to turn. Oh, okay, cool. But I've a just marker. got nice beach stones in them and driftwood and things and beautiful. They are. They have a presence of taking the stones that are underneath us because we're in, in the Kettle Moraine. The, the garden was rock. You'd try to dig and it'd just be kidding. Oh. Because you'd hit rocks. So we just keep mulching so we have a nice thick soil now. Yeah. But like, so the rocks underneath you can't see, but we've got some up, up high in boxes and and the birds love them. Oh, I love they that. They love landing on them. Oh my gosh. They that's decorate so them with birds. <laughs> so nice. They're so, so helpful great. that way. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and the, I mean, the, I think gardening uh, is just such a, I don't know, I, I think it's, it is such a creative act um, of like touching the ground that we source everything from, that we're connected to, even as unconnected as we are. Mm-hmm. Just the way it smells, the way the yeah. earth smells. And I was out yesterday because my time hasn't frozen. I was making chicken. Time so is a T-H-Y-M-E. T-H-Y-M-E. I was wondering. Yes. <laughs> well, that too. Yeah. But so, and the time was still fine. And it was in, so, and just be, and being able to eat something that you grew, we have a lot of fun with that. And that was one of the most fun things at school and with kids too is, you know, you plant the seed, you grow the plant, you take care of it, but it's pretty tough. They know their plants are smart. Like, yeah. And then you can cook with what you've grown and you make all those connections and look at how beautiful they are yeah so yeah it's the best it's the best thing grow plants and i have a greenhouse now oh really like such a rich person yes in my greenhouse over here (laughs) and it's out my kitchen window so i can roll open the kitchen window 
and you can smell the greenhouse smell, all the plants and the earth and it's oh and the humidity. Oh, my gosh. And so I'm experimenting with a lot of different kinds of bamboo right now. Oh, cool. And it's fun to print with the leaves, and it's, you know, yeah. the aqua-printing process of always, having a greenhouse, I always fresh leaves I can work with, and... It all, it flows from what you're eating at the table to what you're looking at to the art you're making. It's really fun to have all those. You know, Pat and I sometimes say, yeah, we could, we could live here. Oh, wait, we do. <laughs> <laughs> Studios <Right>. here. <laughs> Our work yeah. is here. But it supports the, uh, all, you know, the dreams and the, the wishes. Uh, maybe not, I, oh, maybe those aren't the right things for you because they're not active verbs oh. right yeah so like they support the expressions or i don't know i shouldn't even say yeah. uh, the, the, all of the all the making and the making connects you to other people yes. that you've learned and cooking especially cooking connects you to family yeah pat's mom was an artist so he connects with family when he's making you know it, it all and it's kind of fun now because youngins will call us up and say I just was wondering how you made that and what, you know, I, I, I want to do this and how do I get, how do I find that or how do I source different materials? And it's fun to say, oh, I can finally, you know, someone who, who wants me to blab on endlessly about the chemistry of clay. Totally. Yahoo! Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's fun to be able to find that in the garden too, because people will walk through and when they slow down and then they, they kind of peer over their shoulder if I'm working somewhere else, like, do we bother her? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, come on, bother me. Right. What kind of plant is this? How can how does this grow? And we're, you know, like here, take these seeds, or you know, encourage people to. I encourage people to make art because it's so good for our lives and our world. And I encourage people to grow plants because it's even bigger. Like fix the earth. You know, yes. if you start to to care about your the plants around you, other than whether the grass needs to be cut which isn't a terrible thing, but it's not as intensely strengthening as planting a tree or planting a tomato plant or doing all these things that you nurture and protect. And it's good for us. Yeah, that you nurture and protect. And that's what you do for friends. You do it for the earth. You do it for your friends. You do it for yourself. Yeah, it's, it's not like a suffering. I, I, you know, I, so many people yeah. will also say, oh, my God, this must be a lot of work. And I always kind of go, not once. It's a ton of work to get it started. Yeah. But if you work with native plants and perennials, yeah, they're, yeah, they know what they're doing. Give them a chance and they'll grow, you know. And if something really does poorly, it probably isn't in the right habitat, probably isn't where it needs to be to do well. So send it off to someone else and find the plants that this is the right place for them. Yeah. Oh, I think I that, that you can apply that to students and classes and, you know, find the right step jam in the square peg in the round hole <laughs> and find the square hole, please. Totally. Yeah. Yes. Totally. So. I so am glad that you shared that and you know your role, mo role model then for people I know that's kind of an icky word I see your your sorry your <laughs> I'm terrified by that. furrowed brow <laughs> but you model behavior that's in action and like beauty that then people can go oh 
that's cool and it's accessible. Like I can, I can maybe do that with one little plant and starting small and try things out and experiment and explore. And that's what you did. And that's how you're saying it's okay for me. Sometimes I think it's just like someone saying, yeah, you, you can, and it's okay. <laughs> like that. It, it is funny because having a gallery, people assume that, well, then everything here is like really good and everything you do is right because you have this. And I'm like, no, it's really just my house, but yeah. And you know, a lot of the art we've made this year in the garden is made out of like wire. Yeah. So it's not expensive, and yeah. people can just go for it. Right. So, yeah, that is fun to have people take pictures of the Gabby on boxes or the tea house and go, "Would you mind if I made one of these?" Oh yeah! Oh, almost swore. do it. Woo! Yes, yeah, do it. Do yes. it. Yeah, <laughs> you can swear. <laughs> Makes me really happy if you want to make something. If you were inspired to make something or grow something or do something good, yeah. Absolutely. Totally. Yeah. And I love that, you know, you nurture that for yourself, with your partner, with your family, with the people who come to your space. And you did that with, with you know, with your students and continue to do that with your students. So you get to work with Tad. And that's so mm-hmm. awesome and continue this. I mean, yeah. that it's this, you know, surprise me, let's explore together way that it and reflect on it and and do it you know i just love that it's very fun it's a good lifestyle just do stuff do a lot of stuff do stuff do a lot of stuff so mushy do a lot of stuff make a lot of stuff keep going so i love it but people wanted to get a hold of you how can they reach you or find you oh we uh, well i'm in elkhart lake at two fish gallery um, and our website is twofishgallery.net. And I don't know. I guess that's, you know, I do some, put some artwork on Facebook and Instagram sometimes, mostly, kind of. Karen, Ro- under Karen Robeson or? Um, yeah, Karen Robeson and also Two Fish Gallery. Well, thank you so much, Karen, hey. for being here. Good to see you. It was great seeing you, too. Thank you so much for sharing everything you did with us. Good deal. Now I'm at the library, I can get more books. <laughs> in the Act is produced in the studios at Mead Public Library in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. More information on the web at meadpl.org.